So we are in this series, Show Me Your Glory. We are looking at the attributes of God. A few weeks ago, we started with the supremacy of God, that God is supreme in the universe. He is unlike anything that He has created. He is unlike us. He is unlike anything that we could imagine. He is eternal. He is completely self-sufficient. And He is unthreatened. He is supreme. God is also holy. It was the second attribute that Sam led us through. That He is set apart from everything He created. That God is immaculate, pure, perfect, and without any flaw, without any defect. He is infinitely better than anything you could imagine or experience. Sam pointed out that week, the greatest vacation, the greatest food, the greatest experience that you have ever had, God is infinitely better than those things. He is holy. And last week, we studied that God is unchanging. He is unchanging in His attributes, His purposes, His Word. We talked about how important that is. We have no fear that one day God will change. We have no fear that one day we will find ourselves in eternity with a God who has gotten worse or who has turned evil. God is unchanging. He cannot be better than He is now. And He will never be less than He is. Therefore, He is the rock in a universe and a life that is constantly filled with chaos. He is our strength and our hope. Today, God has all knowledge. The knowledge of God is the attribute that we are considering this morning. If you're a note taker, if you have one of the worship guides, if you want to pull that out, we're going to start with this life truth. The hardest life truth to figure out that we have ever had. That's sarcasm. God perfectly knows everything. I'm just going to stop there for a moment. God knows everything. Now, we'd nod our head at that and say, sure. But the study of God, the meditation of God, is we've got to go deeper than that. We have to start thinking about what that means. That God knows everything. There is no deficiencies in His knowledge. God is not learning anything. He's not discovering things that he did not previously know. He is not remembering things that he has forgotten or that is not in his field of vision at the moment. And so he he doesn't have his mind on it. There's no deficiencies in God's knowledge. At this moment and at all times, he is instantly and constantly aware of everything. To the infinite mind of God, He knows every thought of every person on earth at the same time. He is constantly and instantly, simultaneously full of knowledge about everyone and everything in His universe. The universe, Hebrews says, is being upheld right now. By the very words and the power of Jesus, the sun came up this morning because of the knowledge and the sovereignty of Christ. There's no deficiencies in what God knows. Job said this, Job 37, 16. God has perfect knowledge. 
We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but one of the ways that theologians teach about who God is, and quite honestly, one of the ways the Bible teaches about who God is, is it it shows us ourselves and speaks to us in terms about our own humanity and limitations that we have, and then reminds us, okay, God's not like that. So God's not like us. That's one of the ways that we learn who God is. So there's not a person in here that has any age on them that hasn't at some point thought pretty much know everything. Now you may not say that, but there are certain things in your life that you have the sense and the feeling, I got this. You might not say, I know it all, but you would say, pretty darn close. When it comes to that person, or how to do this, or this circumstance, or this topic, pretty much have that down. But our knowledge, no matter what it is, what area of your life that you really do have some expertise in, there's still a deficiency. I would say... My wife and I are going to celebrate 25 years of marriage this year. I would say no one knows my wife better than me. And I would say that no one knows me better than my wife. Yet we still do not fully know each other. We don't. There are lacks in our knowledge. There's deficiencies in the things that we know. Why is that? Why are there things that you simply can't know? Well, one is there are things that are hidden to you. It doesn't matter if you're talking about a person or a a topic that interests you or a circumstance or how to do something. There are things that are hidden from you that you simply cannot know. You can't. And even if you could see everything about someone or something, there would be a point where you would not be able to understand it. It would be too great for you to have all of that knowledge and to really be able to process it and understand it. None of those things are true about God. So continuing in this life truth, God perfectly knows everything. Nothing is hidden from Him or too great for Him to understand. Nothing is hidden from God and nothing is too great for Him to understand. So a couple of passages. Daniel 2.22 says that it is God who reveals the deep and hidden things. The greatest mysteries in the universe, it would be God who would reveal those if they could be or were to be revealed. Because He knows them. Every deep and hidden thing, God knows. Daniel goes on to say, God knows what is in the darkness. And light dwells with Him. God is about the business of bringing things that are in the darkness into the light. Darkness cannot hide anything from God. God sees everything. Nothing is hidden from Him. And nothing is too great for Him to understand. In Romans 11, Paul is writing, and he's he's actually just written this huge section of Romans talking about the mystery of salvation and God working in our lives to redeem people. And he gets to the end of it and he says, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments and how untraceable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Paul says, 
the depths of what God knows, the riches of His wisdom and what He is doing in the world, especially in salvation, these things are unsearchable. His judgments, unsearchable. His ways, untraceable. You don't have the ability to understand them all. Only what God reveals. And only then a part, just a part. Paul says, who has known the mind of the Lord? Who could know what God knows? No one. Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever taught God anything? No created being in all of the universe has ever taught God anything. And Paul ends the whole thought process there in Romans 11 saying, for it is from him and through him and to him all things exist. All things are for him and through him and to him. So God is not like us. Nothing is hidden from him. And nothing is too great for him to understand. I want to keep going a little bit deeper. I want to point at three aspects of God's knowledge to go a little further about how he is different from us. Even his image bearers, okay? The, the highest of all created things. We are far different from God in knowledge. And I want to point to three aspects of that and how God is different from us in what he knows. Number one, in your notes, God perfectly knows himself. God perfectly knows himself. It's very interesting. First Corinthians chapter two, verses 10 and, 10 and 11 says, the spirit of God searches everything, even the depths of God. I want to tie that back to what we just said from Romans. Paul says, oh, when you think about the depths of God, the riches of his wisdom and his knowledge, who can search that out? No one. Except when Paul gets to the first letter of the Corinthians, he says, no one except the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God that can search everything, even the depths of God. God knows Himself perfectly. Why is that important? Why, why should we even say that? Number one, that is not true of any of us. There is no one in this room that perfectly knows themselves. Nobody. No one in this room can truly know everything that is in your heart. But God can. God knows Himself perfectly. We used to talk about identity sometimes. in, And I remember we would use a little phrase when we were preaching about identity. And our phrase was that when you know who you are, then you will know what you should do. That when you truly understand who you are and what your identity is, then you, you really understand how you should live and what you should do in any circumstance. And so... Christ followers should always be learning their identity in Jesus so they know more about how they're supposed to live. Well, God knows himself perfectly, which means God will always work in ways consistent to who he is. God never, ever steps outside of his character. There's not one time ever in all of eternity that God has done something that is apart from who he is. He knows himself perfectly. And therefore, he acts in ways 
that are always consistent with who he is. Secondly, God perfectly knows himself. God perfectly knows creation. God's knowledge of creation is so intricate. The Bible tries to describe it at times. One of the times is Psalm 147 that says, God knows the number of stars and he gives to them all their names. So we, we have names for certain stars that we can see. Sometimes the ones that, that, that are most visible and present to us, we have certain names for them. And then sometimes we discover stars that are far off and we give them like a little number or a combination of letters and numbers. God has names for them all. He knows every star that exists. He knows how many there are and he calls them and gives them names. That is how intricately God knows his creation. This is not a picture. I've said this many times. It's not a picture of God just doing some things and speaking some things into existence and then starting it all spinning on its, on its wheel and then just stepping away. This is his design. This is his creation. The Bible says not a sparrow falls to the ground without his knowledge and understanding of that. He knows every hair on your head, the numbers. That is easier for some of us than others, but still, that is a picture of how intimately God knows you. He knows His creation. Psalm 104, verse 24 says, In wisdom, Lord, you have made them all. Talking about the creatures that fill the earth. It's very important. Not only did God make everything, but Psalm 104 says He made everything in wisdom. Wisdom is tied to knowledge. If you remember our series in Proverbs, what we always saw with wisdom was knowledge and understanding. Knowledge leads to understanding, leads to wisdom. So when the Bible talks about the wisdom of God, it means God takes everything that He knows, all of His knowledge, and He puts it to work. We're going to look at this next week when we talk about His sovereignty. But He puts puts it to work to reach the best possible end. God is always pursuing, and and more than just pursuing, but working out the best possible end of everything. And not only does He work out the best possible end of everything, but He works out the best possible means to get there. And that is the wisdom of God. And Psalm 104 says, Everything in all of creation was made in God's wisdom. In other words, it was made intentionally and with purpose. Every creature had a purpose in God's design. Some of them we look at and we say, I I have no idea. I'm getting eaten up by mosquitoes. God, what were you thinking when you made them? But there is a purpose for everything. That is how well He knows His creation. He knows how it all should work. Because He knows why He designed it and what He made it. Hebrews 4.13 dives in this deeper. And says there is no creature hidden from God's sight. Think about that. The smallest creature on earth. I don't even know what that is. But the smallest creature on earth. Some people are trying to figure it out. Don't Google it right now. Look it up later. (laughs) The smallest creature on earth is not hidden from God. He sees and knows what they are and where they are at this moment. No creature is hidden from God's sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him 
to whom we must give an account. There is nothing about our lives hidden from God. No creature is hidden from His sight. All of them, all of them, are visible to God and He knows them. And then thirdly, trying to dive down deeper on what on the knowledge of God. He perfectly knows Himself. He perfectly knows creation. And God perfectly knows everything that has happened. He perfectly knows everything that will happen. And He perfectly knows everything that could have happened and never did. Alright, so we already know the first two. We've talked about it. Remember when we talked about the supremacy of God? God stands outside of time. He's not constrained by time. Time is something that God made. He stands outside of time. So He is the beginning and the end. He sees it all. So He knows the beginning of things and He knows where He is taking everything. We've already talked about this each week, but God has said, I have declared the end from the beginning. So certainly God knows everything that has happened and He knows everything that will happen. He knew everything from eternity that He would do and that would happen on the earth. But also, God knows everything that He could have done that He didn't. God knows everything that He could have created that He chose not to. God knows everything that could have happened, but never did. Have you ever thought about, you have those moments, right? Where you have those moments that, you know, something happens and you think, oh God, why did, why, why this? Why'd you let this happen? Or you have those moments where maybe you see something that could have happened in an instant. Man, if I'd got to that intersection just a little sooner, that would have been bad. Have you ever thought about how many times you get to the end of your day and your life was threatened dozens and dozens of times and you never knew it? God knows everything that could have happened that He prevented and did not allow to happen. There's a biblical example of this in Matthew 11. Jesus is speaking to some cities and villages and He says, Woe to you! Chorazin, Bethsaida, if the miracles that were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented. He goes on to say, in you, Capernaum, if the miracles that I have done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until today. You and I say things like that. You know what? If I'd been there, that would have been different. If this had happened then this would have happened. But we're speculating. Jesus was not. Jesus was saying, if this had happened, then this would have been the result. And I tell you that definitively. Because He is the God who knows everything that could have happened that never did. So of course that means that God knows everything that we've done. He knows everything we will do. And He knows everything that we could have done that we haven't. Good and bad. He knows everything that we could still do. He knows what you and I are capable of in any situation that we find ourselves in. We don't. 
We can say, if I was there, this is what I would do. This is how I would handle that. I would never be tempted by that situation. But we really don't know. Only God knows what we're actually capable of. Good and bad. So you get to the Psalm 139 that, that Kevin read earlier. And even that thought that only God knows what you and I are capable of should lead us to cry out the way the psalmist did at the end of this, God lead me. It's, it, the cry of our heart should not be, God, give me some wisdom, give me some guidance. The cry of our heart should be, God, grab my hand and take me where I need to go. Pull me out of the situations I don't know to, need to be in. Put me in the situations I need to be in. God, lead me. That should be the cry of our heart. We don't, we don't need just God to sprinkle in some wisdom here or there. We need God to lead our lives. So the psalmist in Psalm 139, he shows us the depth of the knowledge of God for us. Go back to that text for a moment. This is just a, just a few of the verses. Lord, you have searched me and known me. Right? God has searched you out. He knows everything about you. Nothing about you does He not know. God, you know when I sit down and when I stand up. Do you understand that? There's not a single moment of your day that God is not aware of you. When you need to sit down for a moment, He knows. Yeah, they're sitting. When you stand up and go to the kitchen, He knows. He is aware of everything you're doing. You understand my thoughts from far away. There is nothing that you think God does not know. There's not a thought that comes in your mind that He is not aware of. You observe my travels and my rest. So God knows when you're working. He knows when you're sleeping. You are aware of all of my ways. And say again, none of us are completely aware of all of our ways. None of us are completely aware of ourselves. God is. God knows everything about you, what you do and why you do it. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it. He knows what you're going to say before you say it. He doesn't just know what you're going to say today. If, if He gives you life ten years from now, He knows the very words you will speak on Wednesday, or whatever it is, March whatever, ten years from now. He knows it already. You've encircled me. You've placed your hand on me. This is good news for the believer. Yes, I want the one who knows me to have his hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I'm unable to reach it. Even the little bit that we're doing right now to try to point at this is not enough to actually understand the depth of God's knowledge for us. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. 
There's a lot of debate in our society today about life and when it begins. Understand, church, that debate is settled in Scripture. It's not a question in the Bible. It is God who is forming life. It is God who is putting people together in their mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When I was formed in the depths of the earth, that which we cannot see in life, in the conception of life, it is what God is doing. He has said to us definitively, I made you. I made you. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. Even before He had started that process of forming you, He already saw you. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. He doubles down on everything that He has said. I didn't just see you. I planned your life before you were born. This is the knowledge that God has for us and over us. So these, this reality, I said at the beginning of this series that the goal in each week of this series is we want to go as high theologically as we can. We want to try to think as highly as we can about God and who He is. And then we want to consider what does that mean for us? What are the implications of those realities? I want to give you three in your notes. Obviously, we can't even begin to really scratch the surface on this. But three implications of the reality that God knows you. That's what I want us to narrow down on. He knows everything, but I want us to narrow our focus. He knows you in this way that is described in Psalm 139. So what does that mean for your life? The perfect knowledge of God about you means that He and He alone is our, number one, just judge. God and God alone is our just judge. So what does that mean? Alright, contrary to what people will say, sometimes in the church, but definitely outside of the church, we, we are allowed to make a type of judgment. There is a type of judgment that we not only are allowed to make, but we are supposed to make. There is, according to the Bible, right and wrong, good and evil, and we should, based on God's Word, make those judgments. We should make those judgments about ourselves. When you are part of a family of faith, we are called to help make those judgments to each other, not in a finger-pointing, critical kind of way, but in an encouraging, going-to-one-another-speaking-truth-and-love kind of way. And outside of the church, the church is supposed to be what is called the pillar and buttress of the truth. We are to uphold the truth of God and say, this is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is evil. We should be unashamed of that. We should not be jerks about it. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm saying we should not be. But we should uphold the truth. 
so that people can see it and hopefully turn to it. That type of judgment we are supposed to make. However, we are not to be someone's judge. We are not to make judgments about people in terms of their eternity, their heart, their motivations. We are not good judges. We are not just judges. Why are we not good judges? Number one, you and I lack the ability to know what someone does in secret, good or bad. We've been wrong about people many times before. We've been surprised by something someone was doing that was evil and wrong that we never saw. Sometimes, just ignore that. Sometimes, we would be really surprised by the good things someone's doing. We would be really surprised by the righteousness and the love that someone shows secretly that we're not aware of and we assume they're not doing. Also, we lack the ability to truly know someone's heart. We assume we know, we we can see what someone does. Okay, you can see that. For the most part, except the parts that we just talked about. But some actions you can see. You can see what they're doing. You can see what they're doing in life or in the family or or whatever. You have interactions with them. What you cannot see is what motivates them. You cannot see their heart. You cannot see their intentions. We assume those things sometimes. Someone does something, especially that's hurtful to us, and not only do we see the hurtful action, but then we assume why they did it. We assume their intention and their motivation. And most of the time, we assume it for ill. They did that because they hate me, or they don't love me, or they don't like me, or they... Whatever. We are not good judges that way. God, however, is. Psalm 90, verse 8 says, God, you have set our iniquities before you, and our secret sins are in the light of your presence. God sees Everything that is done. Let that sink in. I've had people say things to me before like, we don't need to say that. The preacher's around. Sometimes joking, but sometimes probably with some air of seriousness. I'm... Nobody, and I'm not your judge. The reality is the one that we will give an account to is near us always and sees everything. He hears every word, even the ones we mutter under our breath. He knows every thought that comes in our mind. More importantly, he knows what we do with that thought. He knows if we fight it or if we embrace it. He knows what your deepest longings are. And He knows what it is that truly motivates you. Your intentions toward a person, He knows them. He knows all of those things. Nothing is secret from Him. Our attempts to hide from God are ridiculous and futile. Part of the Psalm 139 we didn't read. Let me just read it to you. From verse 7 to 12, 
God, where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will hold on to me. If I say to myself, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Adam and Eve thought tree limbs could hide what they had done. And we kind of scoff at that. What do we think hides what we do? The night will not hide it. The closing of the curtains will not hide it. The deleting of a message will not hide it. We live in a world where we think we can just cancel things, delete things, make them disappear. God knows it all. And let's start with the fear of that. Numbers 32, 23 says, your sin will find you out. There is nothing happening in your life right now that he has not seen. There is not a criticism you've given, a gossip you've participated in, a lustful thought you have had, an action that you have carried out that he is not aware of. He sees it all. And it would be good of us as a church and as the people of God to remember that. The fear of the Lord is what leads you to wisdom. You cannot hide from him. Your sin will find you out on this earth or in the life to come. I remember a pastor saying one time, getting caught in secret sin is horrendous and horrible. There's only one thing that is worse. Never getting caught in your secret sin and carrying it to eternity. This is frightening. But I want to make a point to you that is ultimately for your comfort. As hard and harsh as that reality is, it is supposed to be for your comfort because the perfect knowledge of God means that He is your just judge, but it also means He is your merciful Redeemer. God is your merciful Redeemer. Redeemer is a word that means someone is bought at a price out of slavery from the place they are to freedom. Let me ask you this question, Agape. What kind of Redeemer do you want? What kind of Savior do you want? Do you want one that doesn't actually know you? Do you want one that might one day find out something about you that they don't know right now and cause them to change their mind about you? Or do you want a Redeemer who knew you in the secret place that He made you And even in that moment, in that secret place where He was making you, before you had any awareness, before you had any breath, He already knew every careless word you would say in your life. He knew every vile thought you would have. He knew every evil intention that you would harbor. He knew every criminal act you would commit. Criminal as in sin against Him. And yet, He not only still made you, but He then called you to Himself. 
That's the Redeemer we need. Not one that will one day be surprised by us, but one that already knew everything. That careless word you say today in anger, that evil thought you have tonight that you play around with, before you were made, He knew that moment would come. And yet He has called you to Himself to be redeemed. So when Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's what it means. Because if God, who knows everything about you, is for you, no one can be against you in a way that matters. No one can reveal anything about you he doesn't know. No one can accuse you of something that he's not aware of. No one can bring up some long-lost, forgotten skeleton that he failed to remember. No one can tell him about some hidden weakness that you have that will cause him to turn from you. He is your merciful Redeemer. He knows all there is to know about you, and He has called you to Himself. So John says in John 8, if the Son of God sets you free... You are free. You are free indeed. Because the one who set you free knows everything about you. He knows what you have done and he knows what you will do. And if you believe upon the finished work of Christ, that he took your sins, all of these things, every thought, every hidden thing, and He took them upon Himself and He died. And in the power of God, He was raised to life. And now He lives to set free anyone who has faith in Him and clings to Him. And if He sets you free, He set you free from it all. From everything you've done and everything that He knows you will do. You are eternally declared not guilty. That is the comfort of the knowledge of God. The wicked run from the fact that God knows everything about them. They hide from that. The people of God embrace it. It is a comfort to them. And it reminds them, number three, that God's perfect knowledge makes Him our wise refiner. It makes Him our wise refiner refiner is one who you refine metals precious metals you heat them up you get the impurities out of them so that they become more pure god knows all about you calls you to himself to be saved he has declared you not guilty of your sin and from that the bible says our response for someone who has been saved is i want to be cleansed and i want to live as righteously as I can, to please the One who has redeemed me even though He knows everything about me. And that's why when you get to the end of Psalm 139, as Kevin pointed out earlier, you have the psalmist who says, God, how precious Your thoughts are to me. God, it is so precious to me that You know me and that You love me, that You know me and You think about me. It's so precious to me that You're aware of me. You know the moment I get up. You know the moment I stand. You know what I'm doing at any given second of the day. God, how precious is that to me? 
And God, you know what I'm going to do. You know how I'm going to fail. So God, help me. That's what the psalmist then prays. Search me, God, know my heart. Test me. See if there's any offensive way in me. In other words, God, see if there's something in me I don't know about and bring that to the surface because I want to deal with it. I want it to be dealt with by Your Spirit and lead me in the everlasting way. God knows what You've done. He knows what You've not done. He knows what You could do, good and bad. And He is always refining you. Sometimes we think way too much of ourselves. God, I wouldn't fail you. I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't, if, you, if I was in this situation, I wouldn't have done what they did. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have failed the way they did. And God probably just gives us that little look. Like, well, there's a lot you don't know. Sometimes we don't think enough of God in our lives. And He puts us in situations and people's lives and we say, oh, I can't do that. I can't talk about Christ. I can't help that person. I can't forgive that person. I can't love that person. I can't lead that way. I can't serve that way. He knows what you're capable of in Christ. So God, lead me in the way everlasting. He knows what to keep you out of. If He closes the door, if He's preventing you from something and you just sense that, like, be careful continuing to press into something God's warning you about. There's a reason He's warning you. And He loves you. And He loves you enough to get your attention. And that's not always pleasant. He knows what to put you into. And He knows what to do with your life. Romans 8, 28. I know that we know it, but I hope we continue to know it and learn it and go deeper in it. Because it says we know or should know all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to His purposes. Church, that even means every Sin you've ever committed. That doesn't mean, like it'd be extremely foolish to assume that means, well, cool, let me just go sin some more and God will use that for my good. It's not the point. The mind of Christ doesn't think that way. The mind of Christ doesn't lead you to think, oh, I'm just... Cool, send some more. I'll get some more grace. This will be helpful. But the mind of Christ is able to look back and say, even my mess-ups God is using. Even these horrendous things God is using for my good. He knows how to use it all. He knows how to use everything in your life for your good. And that is why He is the wise refiner. Look at this. Quote from theologian A.W. Pink. The whole of my life stood open to his view from the beginning. 
He foresaw my every fall, my every sin, my every backsliding. Yet nevertheless fixed his heart upon me.